Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. I want to welcome you to the second week in a series entitled Change. We have uh, been talking since last week about this idea of change, which we know is everyone's favorite subject, right? And so uh, one of the things that we mentioned last week was so often when we enter into change, we're just trying to survive it. And we said that we think that God has a better plan for us. We, we don't want to just survive change. We want to thrive through it. And so today I want to send you over to Genesis chapter 37. If you'd grab the word of God, flip over to Genesis chapter 37, verse 4. That's where we're going to start this morning. If you have your device, you can go ahead and open that up. Go to the MVF Colorado app, click on the engage button, and you'll have the Bible as well as message notes there to dive a little bit deeper this morning if you'd like to do that. Uh, let me go back to the Lyman thing just for a minute. Here's what I want to ask you to do as a church. You guys know we've been talking for years about launching a campus in Lyman. We know that's where God's calling us. Uh, over the last couple of months, we've had some things uh, start to develop out there, and it's been very exciting. And here's what I'm going to ask for you to do, just as a church body, because you understand this. Many of you were with us clear back when we were in the elementary cafeteria and then the high school uh, auditorium, and you know how important it is to have a home for a body of believers. And, and we've had some things happen here just recently. We've kind of entered into negotiations regarding a location there in Lyman. And uh, God has just been moving in that. And so I'm going to ask you, as the, the family here at Mountain View Fellowship, would you just commit to pray with us through that, that God would move in a mighty way and that we would have a home there for that group of people? And uh, would you do that? Would you join with anyone? Okay, great. I'm seeing heads. Awesome. So if you would just pray with us, we would definitely appreciate it. Now, uh, back to the change series. We are uh, just kind of talking through change right now. We think it's a very, very appropriately timed message series because uh, of 2020. Uh, 2020 kind of jacked us up a little bit, didn't it? And everything was disrupted. There was a lot of change. And if, you, uh, or if you're not in change right now, you're going to experience some soon. This is just where we're at right now. It's where we're living. And we established last week that none of us like change. Like that's not our favorite subject at all, which is very interesting because think about all of the change that we experience in our lifetime. I mean, do you realize that 40 million Americans move every year? Like they, they uproot, they, uh, they relocate, they pull kids out of schools, put them in different schools. I mean, that's a lot of change. Uh, some of you are working a different job right now than you did at the beginning of last year. Uh, whether you lost your job, found another one, or promotion, or whatever it was, or you've taken on different roles and responsibilities. Uh, we have people who have gone from being single to married. We have some people who have gone from married to single. We've had some of you through quarantine because you were locked in your house for so long, you guys had babies, right? You want to change? Have a baby. That'll definitely change everything, right? Uh, some of you, you, you went from being just, not just parents anymore, you're grandparents, you know, and, and some of you have reached the end of your career and you've retired. And just think about all of the change that we experience in our lifetime, and we don't like change. Uh, many of these seasons of change, though, are things that we chose, that we saw coming, 
And uh, we have celebrated some of those, like getting married or, or having a baby. You can celebrate those things. But can I just be honest with you? And we learned this last week that some of the most difficult change is change that we didn't choose and we didn't see coming. And some of you are experiencing that right now. You're, you're going through some change that's not worthy of celebration. It's a change of um, a season of diagnosis or illness. Or maybe you're in a season where you're struggling in your marriage. Or maybe it's a season where you've experienced a death in your family and you're having to go to a funeral. A relationship that has ended in your life. Whatever it is. I mean, some of these changes, we, we don't want to celebrate. Uh, last week, we talked about... Uh, the fact that change can either bring opportunity or it can bring, bring danger. And we said we needed to know the difference between the two. And last week, we talked about one of the opportunities. We said that in the middle of change, you're never more teachable. So when we enter into a season of change, all of a sudden, uh, we become teachable. Uh, and God can get our attention because many times we're not teachable until that moment. And we said that e- even in change, in the middle of change, God does some of his greatest work in the middle of change because we're ready to listen. We're willing to open up and listen. And he can mold and shape us and teach us new things in change. That's one of the opportunities that we see in change. But today I want to talk to you about one of the dangers that change can bring. Years ago, when I went into law enforcement, they sent us to an academy, and we were in that academy for six months before we ever saw any time on the road. And the reason for that is because of all the training that you have to go through. Some of that training has to do with like uh, self-defense and arrest control techniques and ground fighting and all these different things that they teach you. And maybe you've wondered this, like you, you know the local police officers, and, and you've wondered to yourself, you know, you see that, that woman who is like a buck 15 soaking wet, And she's a police officer, and you're like, how is she going to arrest somebody that's twice or three times her size? How does she do that? Well, one of the things that you learn when you go through the academy is it's not about how big you are, and it's not about how how hard you hit. It's about balance. Everything has to do with balance. And uh, it's amazing what you can do when you get somebody off balance. You can actually get them to go in the direction that you want to go when somebody twice your size is off balance. And it's all about balance. And uh, martial arts actually teaches the same thing. They have a Japanese word, kazushi. And kazushi actually means the art of breaking the balance of your opponent. And and so today, here's what I want to talk to you about. Balance. I'll talk to you about uh, what happens in change and how we can maintain our balance because there's uh, several truths that we need to know. The first one is this, that you have an enemy that will do anything to strike a blow in your life right now. He's looking for an opportunity. Where do I get that from? First Peter chapter 5 says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, why do I bring this up? Because we're talking about change. And this is one of the things that gets overlooked so often. See, when you're going through change, often, change often throws us off balance. It'll throw you off balance. You'll find yourself many times going through life when things are going good and you feel like you're in control. You feel like you have firm footing and you're good to go. But when change happens, many times it shakes you, it rocks you, and it it rocks you back and you're on your heels and you're off balance in that moment. And you might feel like you're just doing everything you can just to stay on your feet. And, And even good change, this isn't even just about bad change, good change can often throw you off balance as well. For those of you that are married, Think about the first several months of your marriage, right? Like you, you chose that. You saw it coming. You were planning on it maybe for several years before you got married. And then how long did it take? Two months? And now you're ticked off because he's leaving his underwear on the floor? Uh, you're burnt up because she keeps leaving all of her makeup scattered all over the countertop, right? And, and all of a sudden, you're off balance. It, it, it's not, it wasn't what you expected it to be. 
And so you find yourself a little bit off balance. So good change can actually cause you to lose your balance as well. And when you're off balance, your opponent has an opportunity to strike. When you're dealing with change, you're off balance and and you're vulnerable to an attack, to a strike. Normally, when things are good, we feel like we got good, firm uh, footing. And if an attack comes, if our enemy tries to attack us and tempt us, many times we can absorb that. We can take it. We can take the hit because we have good, firm footing. But when you go through a season of change, especially a difficult one, and you're rocked back and you're off balance, and, and then the attack comes, that's when you find yourself getting knocked on your backside. So, therefore, spiritually, in the midst of change, you can expect temptation. I don't think we talk about this enough. So when we go into a season of change, many times we're off balance and we're vulnerable to an attack and we're going to get tempted. And think about your own life, about the times that you were tempted the most or the times that you fell to that sin. Many times, I bet you, were when you were entering in or in the middle of some type of change. Maybe it was the first time you were away from home at college or spring break, or maybe it was when a new relationship started or ended, or right after a baby was born and everything was in chaos. And and whatever it is, um, everything was changing, and you found yourself off balance, and the enemy saw that, and he struck. See, anytime there's, there's change, good or bad, the ground begins to shake. And when Satan sees shifting ground, he sees that as an opportunity to strike. So with all that information, what do we do with that? Because it's good for us to know this. It's good for us to understand that when we go into a season of change, we can be knocked off balance, and that makes us vulnerable to the enemy. That's good to know, but that's not the most important information. See, I think there's something more important that we need to know. We need to answer the question, how do I keep my balance in the midst of change? If we know it, when we're going into a season of change that we can get knocked off balance, instead of just going, oh, well, this is the way it's going to go, I'm going to be off balance, I think we need to ask the question, how do we stand firm? How do we find good, strong, uh, good, strong foundation in the middle of change so that we can resist temptation? How do we do that? Now, there's several things I think we could offer you this morning, but I want to focus on one thing, and I think it's the, the biggest thing that we could teach you this morning that would help you to maintain a strong stance, to be strong as you enter in and go through change in your life. And we're going to pull this out of the life of Joseph. Joseph's story is told from Genesis chapter 37 to chapter 50. Uh, This story is one of the reasons why when people tell me that the Bible is boring, I just shake my head. Because they haven't read these 13 chapters. And I'm going to challenge you right now. Read these 13 chapters this week. Read through the life of Joseph. I promise you it's better than any soap opera you can watch. It's amazing all the things that happen in this story. And we're going to talk through some of it. But there's stuff in this, in those 13 chapters, that you won't even share with your kids. That's how racy it gets, okay? Hopefully, hopefully that piques your interest a little bit, and you'll read those, those 13 chapters this week. Once you read it, if you haven't read it, I think you're going to agree with me that of all the biblical, biblical characters, Joseph goes through more change than anyone else in, in the Bible. It's amazing what he goes through. Now, what I want to do is I want to share with you just parts of his story, and and we're going to pull from this one phrase, which I think is the key to maintaining balance in a season of change. And we're going to pick his story up in Genesis chapter 37. By the time we get there, Joseph is a 17-year-old teenage boy, and uh, he is uh, one of many. This family has a lot of kids, lots of sons, and he is his father's favorite. 
So much so that the dad makes him a coat of many colors and gives it to him. Horrible parenting, by the way. But he gives it to him, and he's flaunting this coat around, and, and, and it says that his brothers do not like him at all because of this. And, and actually, it's stronger than that in Scripture. This is what it says in chapter 37, verse 4. It says, but his brothers, what? Hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the... They knew it. Like, they knew dad loves him more. They couldn't even say a kind word to him. Now, how many of you, when you were growing up, thought your sibling or siblings hated you? Oh, two of us. Okay, <laughs> we're bad. Anyway, uh, you might think that your siblings hated you, uh, but they didn't try what his brothers did. Because what you're going to find out here, by the time you get to verse 20, his brothers hate him. And there's a reason why the scriptures use that word, because it's accurate. They get together and they're like, we're tired of him. We're sick and tired of him acting like he's better than us. Dad loves him more. Let's just take care of this problem right now. And you know what they decided to do? Um, Let's kill him. Let's do that. And they agree. Like, this is a good plan for them. Let's kill him. Yeah, let's do that. And then at the last minute, one of the brothers, Reuben, actually steps up and and Reuben says, hey, um, let's not kill him. Like, he's the voice of reason, right? This is his plan. He says, let's not kill him. I got a better plan. He's trying to save him. Let's sell him. Yeah, because that's much better, right? And that's exactly what they do. They grab him, they bind him up, they throw him in a hole, and, and then pretty soon some, uh, some traders are going by and they sell him, their brother, to these traders who are headed to Egypt, their slave traders, for 20 pieces of silver. That's exactly what they do. And then they take that coat, remember that one that dad gave him that said he was the favorite? Yeah, the one they hated. They shred that thing, they put animal blood all over it, and they give it back to their dad, and they're like, hey dad, sorry, your favorite son was uh, you know, killed and eaten by a wild animal. Sorry about that, good luck next time, right? And that's how the story goes. And so I want you to just stop for a minute, push the pause button, think about all the change that's happened in Joseph's life up until now. Like he's 17 years old. He went from being part of a family in a household, the favorite, the one that the dad loves, to now he is in chains, headed to a foreign country as a slave. That's a lot of change. And this is change that Joseph didn't see coming. He didn't choose it. And it's painful. And maybe some of you will relate to this because you've gone through this. You know that the wounds from a family member cut the deepest, right? That's what he's, that's what he's dealing with right now. The story continues in, in 39.1. It says, When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So Joseph's 17 years old. He's in chains. He's been sold uh, as a slave. He's taken to a country that he's probably never been to before. He doesn't speak the language. And he's being sold to one of the most powerful men in all of Egypt. Let me ask you this. If you were Joseph... How would you respond to that? And where is God in all of this? I mean, where is God at? The reason I ask the question is because we're actually told in the very next verse, and this might surprise you. I think this will mess with a lot of you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to screw your idea of, of God and how he interacts with it. It's just going to screw it all up. Because we have a misconception about how God deals with us and change. And, and this is what it says in the very next verse. Tell me if this doesn't mess with your assumption. The Lord was with Joseph. Really? That's what it's going to say? See, the way I look at it is if God was with Joseph, he would have never allowed his brothers to to capture him and bind him and sell him into slavery in the first place. 
But yet, that's what happens. And we're told that the Lord is with Joseph. Doesn't that mess with your assumption of God and how, how we're told how God works in our lives? But, but I think it teaches us something absolutely incredible about God's character. And I want to personalize this just a little bit. I want you to think about the change that you're going through, or maybe some very difficult change that you've been through in your life. When you entered into that season of change, let me ask you this question. As you entered into it, did you assume that God was with you? Was that your assumption? Like you're going into a very, very difficult season? Did you go, okay, God's with me? Or did you think that God was against you? And the reason I ask this is because your, your answer to this question will actually... Uh, affect your ability to stand strong in that change. It'll change everything. This is that little thing that if you can learn this today, it's going to change everything for you as you enter into a season of change. Is God with you or is he against you? What do you believe? The reason I'm asking that and the reason why this question is so important is because of what happens five verses later. See, he's sold into slavery. He becomes uh, an object and he is working in the household of one of the most powerful men in all of Egypt. And you would think, okay, well, this is about as bad as it can get. But here's what happens next. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Now, Potiphar, guys, listen to me. You're going to agree with me on this one. Potiphar is one of the most powerful men in Egypt. There is no way that his wife is not a knockout. Amen? You guys are smart. You didn't even respond to that. Great job. But you know I'm right. Like this, there's no way this woman's not a, like drop dead gorgeous. And, and keep in mind, um, Pharaoh, or I'm sorry, Joseph is 17 years old. Do you remember what your hormones were like when you were 17 years old? Right? See, I, and I'm not being crass. I'm asking you to read this correctly. This is what's in scripture. Don't get angry with me. It's in the Bible. Uh, we, we talk about this story and we just read over it like it's a love story. This is not a love story. He's a slave. He has no more rights than a mop. And yet his owner's wife, who has authority over him, comes to him and says, uh, we read it this way, come and sleep with me. Like, oh, that's sweet. She's flirting with him. That's not what's going on here. So if you translated this correctly, it would actually be down sex now. That's the way it should be translated. And it says that she demanded. She demanded it. Now, I, I think it's amazing the way he responds because... If you're 17 years old, how easy would it be for you just to kind of throw in, throw in the towel on your character in this season of change, right? Well, owner's wife, I have no rights. She has authority over me. She's telling me to do something. I might as well just do it. But he doesn't. He actually tells her, how could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against who? This is key. Against who? God. Don't miss this, because I think this phrase against God is so telling, because what this says is that Joseph assumed, even in the middle of his change, even if it was difficult change, that God was standing right there with him. Do you get it? Joseph knew that God was with him, even in hard change, and he does the right thing. He refuses her. And this is where you and I, because of our assumptions of God and how he deals with us, we would say, well, this is where God enters into the picture and he's going to rescue him. And all, you know, the, the people who did wrong are going to be punished and justice is going to be served. And if, for those of you that read the story, is that what happens? Nope. So you know what happens? Um, he's accused of rape and he's thrown into prison. 
That's his reward for doing the right thing. And when he's thrown into prison, listen to what we're told in verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. Really? Really? God is with him through this horrible change. Everything's going wrong. Tell me this doesn't mess with your assumptions of God. I mean, I look at that and go, if God was really with him, God would have sent somebody into that room and they would have caught her in the act. She would have been the wrong one. And she would have been punished. And and Potiphar would have come alongside Joseph and put his arm around him and said, man, you are a man of integrity. I can trust you with anything. If I can trust you with my wife, I'm going to elevate you to a position of authority. And, And this is the way that we think that God would work in those situations. And that's not what happens. And see, right here, I think we learn something very significant about God and his, his way of, of dealing with us in change. See, you cannot judge by your circumstances if God is with you or not. It's not about your circumstances. Some of you are going through some of the worst circumstances you've ever gone through in your entire life, and God might be right in the middle of it, molding and shaping you and teaching you something. And some of you are going through some of the best circumstances of your entire life, and God may not even be in that. When it comes to change, I think many of you are probably like me. See, I don't want God to walk me through hard changes. I want God to bail me out of hard changes. I don't want to go through them. I just want him to rescue me. That's what I want. Somehow we have it in our mind that if we're following God with God, we should never experience anything difficult. We should never have to go through difficult changes. And yet we're told over and over and over again, while Joseph was going through all these hard changes, God was with him every step of the way. And see, in this story, just when you think it can't get any worse, it does. And we don't have time to go into this whole thing. I want you to read it this week. But here's what happens. He's in prison. He begins to to elevate himself because he's he's a man of God. He does the right things. And so they start to give him more authority, more freedom. And then all of a sudden, two officials from Pharaoh's court are thrown into prison. They work directly for Pharaoh in his court. And, and, And through this crazy story, he interprets some dreams and he tells one of them, look, when you're restored, because this is what's going ha- to happen, you're going to get out of jail, and you're going to be restored back to Pharaoh's court. And when you're there and you have Pharaoh's ear, would you please remember me? And everything happens just like Joseph said. The guy gets out of prison. He's restored back to his position with Pharaoh. And do you think he remembers Joseph? No. He forgets about him. And yet we're told that God is still with Joseph. Now, I've never been through the stuff that Joseph's been through, but thinking about my own life and all the times I've gone through seasons of change and I've been attacked and I've been tempted to do the wrong thing, my success and failure has always depended on my answer to this. Do I assume God is with me or do I assume that God is against me? It changed everything in a season of change. Do you assume that God is with you when you enter into change, even if it's difficult, even if it's hard? Or do you think that he's against you because it's hard? This will change everything for you. And see, here's the great news about it. If you're wondering this and you're not sure, can I just tell you this? This is something you never have to question. Do you realize that one of the greatest promises that we have in all of Scripture is that God is with us? Hebrews chapter 13 says it this way, For God has said, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. I like the way the NIV says it. It says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. 
And, and that word never in the original Greek is a, a crazy word. It's a, it's a quintuple negative. It's like reinforced five times. If you're going to say it uh, just in plain English, you'd probably say it this way. No, not ever, no way, never can it happen. Will I ever leave you? Like it's reinforced over and over again. It's like God was trying to scream, I am with you and I will never leave you. Don't ever forget it. And yet so often we question it. I like the way um, Matthew put it. See, Matthew wrote the first gospel Uh, It's actually the first book in the New Testament. It's the first book of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And he starts off, the whole New Testament, he starts off his Gospel in chapter 1, talking about Jesus, and he wanted us to know this very point. And this is what he says, and we talk about this at Christmas every year. This is when he was talking about Jesus, and he said, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God is with us. We celebrate that every Christmas, and yet we enter into a season of change, and we forget it. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, God is with you, and he will never leave you. And almost as though Matthew thought, well, I didn't make my point well enough, he ends his entire book at the very end of the book of Matthew, talking about Jesus' death and resurrection, and and he visits with the disciples, and he's getting ready to ascend into heaven. He's giving them last instructions. We call it the Great Commission, and he ends it with this, Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. And Jesus is speaking here, and he says... And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God is saying, look, don't ever forget it. I'm with you and I'm never leaving you. Do you believe that? Do you really believe it? In the season of change that you're in right now, do you believe that God is with you or do you believe that he's against you? Because your answer to that question will determine your ability to be able to stand strong and resist temptation in a season of change. Because guess what? In change, you're off balance and Satan's going to attack you. How did Joseph, a 17-year-old boy, go through some of the most difficult changes anyone could ever go through and still resist temptation and stand strong. How did he do it? The answer, he was confident that God was with him every step of the way. Do you believe that? See, after 30 years of being in Egypt, Joseph finally gets a break. And and again, you have to read the story. Read it this week. He ends up being second in command, like Pharaoh Joseph. I mean, he's second in command, and there's a famine in the land, and his brothers come to Egypt searching for grain because they're all starving, and when they get to Egypt, there's an amazing story. They end up in front of Joseph, and he could have taken revenge on them, but he doesn't. I I want you to see exactly what he says in Genesis 50, 20. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. You know what he's saying? It didn't matter. It didn't matter it was difficult because God was in it. God was with me all along, and he intended it all for good. It reminds me of what we read last week in Romans chapter 8 that says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You know what that everything includes? Even difficult changes in your lives. And so I want to leave you with a question this morning. As you think about the change that you're entering into or that you're in the middle of right now, I want to ask you the question, how would I respond to change if I was confident God was with me? Uh, We could even change it. We could say, how would I respond differently to change if I was confident God was with me? Because some of us are in change right now and we're struggling. 
because we don't really believe that God is with us. See, oftentimes when change comes, it knocks us off balance and we start to grab anything that we can and sometimes we grab things that are detrimental to us. And see, my prayer and hope is that you would understand before you leave here today that as you enter into a season of change that God is with you, that he promised that he would never leave you and when you start to feel like you're losing balance, you can reach out and grab a solid foundation, Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever and that you'll maintain your balance and you'll be able to stand firm in the midst of change. Can I pray for that for all of us right now? Would you join me in that? Heavenly Father, we come to you right now just as um, your children. Uh, Lord, many of us in this room are going through some really difficult changes, and I'm asking that you would just plant in our hearts in a very, very tangible way that, that you are with us and that you will never leave us. God, I pray before anyone leaves here today that they would sense that, that, that they would claim that, and that it would affect the way that they see the world around them, how they see the change that they're going through, and that we would lean into you even more. God, I just pray that this continues to mold and shape us into people that look more and more like you. We pray all this brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said.